If you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 60, we're going to continue looking at the realm of all supply. But you know, we, we need to understand something this morning. And we have alluded to it, we have spoken about it, and I've no doubt that we will continue uh, to do so. Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, just as an introduction, arise, shine, your light has come, the glory of Jehovah has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. And that's what I'm, what I'm saying. We, we, we mention it really a lot, probably every week, almost. The nations are in darkness. The world is in darkness. And there's a specific reason for that, which we have addressed. But folks, you know, the news or what's going on in the earth, that's always catching up to what's in this book. And it's always catching up to prophetic preaching, prophetic messages, prophetic insight. And that's what we're going to speak about. The darkness of the earth and gross darkness of people, but Jehovah will arise over you and his glory shall be seen upon you. There is a glory and it's in every one of us. There's a glory in every believer. There's a glory on every believer. But I want to say this, that even great times of revival, which our sister referred to, um, and the great moves of God that we've had, and including going way back to Pentecost, where the fire came and sat in everyone. I believe there's a yet future fulfillment of these things. And when we see that, his glory shall be seen. There's a manifestation of glory that is yet to come in the earth. There's a manifestation that we've yet to enter into. Now, individuals can maybe enter into it, John Lake, Smith Wigglesworth, Mariah Woodworth Etta, Sister Etta, and, and all these people, Catherine Kuhlman, people like that. But I believe there's a corporate entering in. Okay? And it's not going to be something that you can casually, sloppily amble your way into. Okay? It's not for sloppy Christians. And you could say it's for a remnant, but I believe the remnant will ignite a massive movement. And folks that get saved will come in and straight away they'll walk in the glory. But it's incumbent upon us, our generation, uh, to, to strive in a sense for this. Okay? Because there's a price to be paid for this. Like I said, it's not something you just sloppily jump into. Oh yeah, I feel like, I feel like getting full of glory tonight. I feel like the glory should be on me tonight. You know, we're talking about living in that dimension, not visiting it. The nations shall come to you like kings to the brightness of your dawning or of your <laughs> rising. Okay? <clears throat> Let's just read the next couple of verses. Lift up your eyes all around and see all of them gather themselves. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the side. Then you shall be in awe and become radiant. Your hearts shall tremble and swell for joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. So there's an impact that the glory has. The, the, the glory from, from God. The glory uh, of the glory realm. 
there's an impact that has that that has on the church on the people of God that makes the wealth of the nations come to us there's a magnet magnetizing effect okay and you see well it sounds like a prosperity message well it's way beyond that folks and there's a reason for that but I, I want to do a slight detour before we press on with this Isaiah chapter 51 I need to do this I feel that we need to do this Isaiah chapter 51 because this week it got real this week that what we're about at the gathering got real I've preached this for years and people would look at you like a calf at a new gate. What's he talking about? We've got our two cars in the driveway. We live in a nice big house. We've, we're, we're pensioned up. We're doing okay. Everything's fine. We're eating lure pack. <laughs> Amen. We're a lure pack generation. What's he talking about? Now you see people looking at me like, what's he talking about? Economic oppression. What's this guy all about? Isaiah chapter 51 is where we're going. If I don't know if I told you that. Isaiah 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek Jehovah. Look to the rock from which you have been hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you have been dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. So he's saying, look to Abraham. But I wanted just to jump ahead to um, verse 12. This is where I want to go with this. Very quickly, just as a, as, as a, we have to comment on this, okay? I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should fear a man who shall die, or the son of man who shall be made as grass? Fear of man. What does the Bible say? I shall not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, your troubles, now I know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, we wrestle against principalities and powers, we know that, but what I want to say to you is, it's what men can do to you that makes you afraid. Amen? You know, when you're driving down at 50 mile an hour and a 30 mile limit, and the blue light goes on, woo, 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 fear a man. Amen? Now I remember once, drive along the road, happy, really strong, powerful tongues, caparashanto romasanto, and then blue light, and realize I'm so excited, talking in tongues, and praying in the Holy Ghost, that I started speeding. Now I can't say to that policeman, you know, I was talking in tongues, come on man. You understand? So fear a man. Fear of what man can do to you. Now, why is that important? Well, let me just tell you. When I switched on my TV yesterday, I saw a lot of fear. I saw a lot of people saying, I'm petrified. Amen? I'm petrified. Why? Because of what man is doing right now. Now, watch this. And you forget Jehovah, your maker, who has stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth, and you fear, or as it says here in this translation, you dread continually. Dread. You dread continually. You fear continually. You're in terror every day. 
because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy and where is the fury of the oppressor stooped over he hurries to be loosed in fact I, I prefer let's just read it in, in the, the King James actually it's a better uh, translation of this Isaiah chapter 51 let me just read it to you uh, in that because it says the captive exile the captive exile now what does captive exile mean it's a and actually it's an oxymoron, I've shared this before, because you're either locked in, locked down as a captive, or you're locked out as an exile. Okay, exiles are locked out. Captives are locked in, but both together. Folks, this is describing the state of people in Britain today. Okay, that we're locked in, we're, we're in a rut. But we're also exiles because we're locked out. What are we locked out of? We're locked out of blessing. Mm -hmm. Amen? Now, when they closed the churches down a couple of years back, we were captive exiles because we were locked into our houses and locked out of our churches. You see, the devil has a purpose, just like God has a purpose. The devil has a purpose, and his purpose is always for you and I, bondage and oppression and slavery. And where does he do it? He does it in the economic realm. Okay? Now we'll, we joke about the lower pack, get up to whatever price, but that's a, a rising prices, shortages, famine. Amen? You know, you talk about the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell without that mark. Everything the devil does is designed to impoverish you and I. His target isn't the folks out there, he already has them. It's you and I that all this is, is geared against. I'm going to ask you a question. If they're doubling, virtually doubling, the price of gas and electric, whatever it is, or utilities, that's going to affect everybody in this room. Who's it not going to affect? Nobody, really. Okay? Um, if you have enough money or income, you'll shrug your shoulder and say, I will. If you don't, you'll struggle. And like people are saying, people will die with us. But something that we need to think about here. How many churches are going to be able to afford the doubling and trebling of the gas and electric bills? I know churches right now that are struggling. They pay these utilities. And this is summer. And they're saying by next April, it will be trebled. Not doubled, trebled. And that's just the next couple of stages along the road. So don't tell me that this isn't an attack on the work of God. Because I don't know how many ministries or churches or whatever, we're all affected by it, but you have to say, you know, businesses have already made the decision, I can't pay these, these power bills, so I'm closing my business. How long before churches? Now, nah, nah, you might say, oh, well, they can't be, they can't be prosperous, they can't be full of faith, folks, if they're in the community and they're a witness to Christ, the loss of them is a terrible thing. The captive exile hasteneth or is desperate that he may not, that he may be loose, that he may be set free, in other words, and that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. Death and loss of uh, the ability to feed yourself People on TV last night saying, 
I'll pay my heating bills for my, my son up, you know, but I will not eat. Now you may say that's a bit melodramatic, folks. We don't know what, what people's circumstances are, and we should not be cold-hearted about it. People are worried that their bread will fail. Their, their daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. No wonder it's in the Lord's Prayer, because that's what the devil is after. Depopulation is the agenda, and, and I'm not going to get into politics of that or conspiracy theories. We don't need to wonder. Depopulation is the devil's agenda. Amen. But I am, this is God's answer, I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared, the Lord of hosts is his name. That means the Lord of heaven's armies. There are millions of angels awaiting our prayers, <coughs> declarations of faith, so that they can get into action and change things and bring provision to the family of God and enough provision so that we can feed the poor folks out there. Amen. Now watch this. And I have put my words in thy mouth and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, thou art my people. The Lord wants you and I to be word and spirit people that never before. People who have his word in our mouth continually. And people who are under the shadow of my hand, which means the Holy Spirit, the power of God. The word and spirit together. I keep hearing that in my own spirit in recent times. The word and spirit together. Not just Bible people, not just Holy Ghost, you know, Shakamundo, Goose is a goose, but the two together is what brings the power of God. And we need God's power in this hour, so that we can meet the needs of the people. Mm. It's not just opening soup kitchens, it's not just saying, oh, let's feed the community. That's part of it. But, you know, it's the chains of poverty mm. and economic oppression. And don't tell me, don't, don't tell me that we're not uh, facing economic oppression. You have utility companies in this country who say, well, we'll just put the price up to what we want it to be, and you've got a weak, compliant, complicit, corrupt government allowing them to do that. And you might say, well, these companies have to survive, but folks, they are making massive profits mm -hmm. right now, and they're just going to hike their profits up by charging people what they simply cannot afford to pay. That's oppression. <clears throat> In anybody's language, that's oppression, okay? You know, we, you know we, we understand that they're a business, they need to make a profit, but look at the profits they're posting right now, okay? And I'm not against companies making profits, but I am against being uh, extorted, and it's greed, okay? The and let me just say, the love of money is the root of all evil. So if you look around and see evil in our land, it's the love of money at the, at the root of it all. Now that's, that's just preamble, because let's get back to where I want to go with this. And turn with me to Haggai chapter 2. This is the sort of second part of what we looked at last week, the realm of all supply. Where we noticed that the glory realm, the glory that, the glory that is in, in heavenly realms, in the unseen realm, in the invisible realm, in the realm that you can't see with your physical eyes, but you can see with your man. And you might look in the earth and see shortage. You might go to the supermarket and see empty shelves. 
But when you gaze, when you gaze into the glory, with the inner man, the eyes of the inner man, the eyes of faith, you see boundless supply. I'm living on the mountain. Hallelujah. Amen. Underneath the cloudless sky. I'm drinking from the fountain that never shall run dry. And that reminds you, can I have a drink, please? And I'm feasting on the manna. And Brother David sent me a picture of Lourpac. Living on the mountain, feasting. Amen. Uh, so thank you for that. A great reminder. Now, the land of butter and honey. The land of boundless, infinite supply. Now you can't see that without the eyes of faith. Amen. So we looked at that and we said what that verse says, I will glorify the house of my glory. Isaiah 60 verse. So let's continue that theme. Understanding that God is in the business of glorifying us. You see, what's on God's mind is glory. And if we say, well, I'm just interested in survival, we're stopping short. Aren't we? We're stopping short. Uh, I want to just thank you, Lord. Here's what I want to show, I want to show you this. If we think less than glory, thank you. If we think survival, oh Lord, if I can just pay my bills. If I can just meet my needs. If I can just clear my feet by the end of the week, I'll be fine, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But that's not glory. Okay? What does the Bible say? It says that we all have sinned. And what does it say is our condition? We fall short of the glory of God. So if you're looking at this, the earth right now, and darkness upon the earth, gross darkness upon the people, and say, well, if I can just get through, if we can just pay our bills, if, if you know, we'll be all right. If we can just cut the lights back, and sit with a jumper for <coughs> And, you know, and they'll just put the boiler on for two hours a day. Well, they're fine. That's falling short of the glory. Why? Because God's glory, in the glory, there's boundless supply. And it's not just for us. It's for others. You see, when I'm reading here about the glory, I'm reading about the sons and daughters that will come. I'm reading about the nations that will come. I'm reading about kings coming. I'm reading about everybody coming. Like David's vision, again, another prophetic vision that he had out there in the street, them all coming in, including, what well, he said, people from government, kings. Now, what are they coming for? What are they coming to correct the glory? Okay, so if you say, well, if we can just pay our bills, everything's going to be fine, they ain't coming. Because there ain't no glory in that. That's good financial fiscal management. That's uh, tightening your purse strings. But what it isn't is saying we believe in Jehovah Jireh in the midst. We're believing this is a house of glory. Amen. Amen. This very building, this congregation, 
on a Saturday morning, our church congregation that, that meets on a Sunday, and, and, and I even speak at a point, we've got a group coming in tonight, they have a monthly letter, I'm speaking it on them. If you come in here, you're a house of glory, and you're coming into a house of glory. And in the glory, there is no shortage. In the glory, there is no lack, there is no famine. So I decree and declare that whoever comes through that door is never going to lack. Why? Because the shepherd is in the midst. And the shepherd, if, you're, if he's your shepherd, you shall not lack. Amen. Amen. You know there are churches you can go to, you walk in the door and healing hits you. Well, I want to have a church like that. But I also want to have a church where the minute you come in the door, you enter the realm of all supply and no lack, no limit lives there. And I'm not talking, oh yeah, you know, um, I'm not talking that prosperity message, oh, we can all get, you know, diamond rings and Rolexes. I'm not talking about that. You want to have that stuff and believe God for it, that's up to you. But I'm talking about a place where we can open the doors and if the whole community comes in, we can feed them. And even if God has to multiply food, which he's done before, and God has multiplied money as well, miraculously. Now, we need to start living in that realm of all supply. So let's look at Haggai chapter 2 very quickly, at the time we've got left. In the seventh month, and the 21st of the month, the word of Jehovah came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this house in her former glory? And how do you see it now? When compared to it, is it not as nothing in your eyes? He's talking to people who were uh, old enough then and young enough back then who can remember who could remember Solomon's temple before they were carried off to Babylon? They're probably just wee kiddies. And they can remember the glory of Solomon's temple. Now Solomon's temple was covered in gold. Okay? If I were you, I'd write that in my Bible. Or write it down. Or brand it in you. Solomon's temple. Go read about it, the building of it. It was covered in gold. And the estimate in present day terms. It would take several billion pounds to build Solomon's temple, just the amount of gold it was on. Never mind everything else. So it was a glorious thing. Some people call it the eighth wonder of the world and so on. But here they're back in Jerusalem and they're building a temple. <laughs> you know, some people would be rejoicing the temple's been rebuilt, but folks, you know, this was like a, a tin hut compared to a glorious cathedral. And I know later on Herod built a temple, and that was quite a, an impressive building. But he's saying here, how are you comparing that? See, the younger ones would go, oh, we've got a temple, glory, glory, glory. And the older ones are going, you want to see what we know. And some of us older Christians can say to younger Christians, you want to have seen what we saw. Amen? Am I right, Mr. and Mrs. Lawson? You know, going to rallies, conventions, meetings, the tent hall, places where it's packed with people praising God and the glory in the place and, and that buzz and that atmosphere that you get. Well, tell me where you're getting that now. 
Amen. We are like Zerubbabel's temple in the church today, in a lot of ways, especially after the plague. Hearing about churches that are struggling, that were once thriving and bustling just a couple of years ago. Folks, there's nothing new under the sun. He says, who, who, who's saying, oh, there's nothing. This is nothing, Bobby. Come on. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, says Jehovah, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. They were the leaders uh, in the restoration thing as they went back after the captivity. And be strong, all you people of the land, and work, says Jehovah, for I am with you, says Jehovah of hosts. Now let me just say this to you. If you, you have to be strong and you have to work. If you just decide, I'm going to stay in the house and if I fancy copping a Zoom meeting, I'll do it. As I sit in my jammies, or at least sit in my boxers, and you just see the top of me. If I can be bothered, folks, he's not going to be with you with that. I look at a lot of stuff still, and it's still on Zoom. Zoom is for Zoomers. Amen? Let me say that again. Zoom is for Zoomers. I'm not a Zoomer. Amen. I don't mind the odd Zoom meeting. I don't like it. I'll be honest. I just don't like it. Because it's for Zoomers. That's why they call it Zoom. Amen. And you know, you could actually say YouTube's for tubes. Anyway, <laughs> let's not take the analogy too far because I watch a lot of YouTube and I'm not a tube. Amen. I'm a tube of glory. Hallelujah. Amen. So, According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit stands among you. Do not fear. Let me just say, if the Holy Ghost is there, you have no business getting into fear. Amen? Can you say amen? amen. Are you with me in this? Amen. If the Holy Ghost is present, fear gets kicked out the door. You know, it's a good idea sometimes to open your doors and windows and tell fear to get out. You say, oh, can, can fear not travel through walls? Who cares? Make sure that there's an open window for that spirit to go. You ought to cast fear out quite regularly. Because of all the spirits out there that wants to get access to your mind, it's fear. Okay? That's what's out there. Now, I, 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 okay, I'll share it. Very quickly, I'm going to get into the, the details of it. I had an encounter once, many years ago, with Satan himself. And I want to tell you, the first thing that hits you when you are in his presence is like waves, sheets of fear hit you. Because fear is his nature. How do we know fear is his nature? Because he knows his end is coming soon. He's afraid. So all he can, he cannot give you faith. He doesn't have faith to give you. What he has is faith's opposite, which is fear. So that's, that's his nature. Amen? Maybe. But if the spirit is amongst us, there's no fear. For thus says Jehovah of hosts, yet once more, it is a little while. And you know, every day that goes by, the little while gets littler. Because we're talking, I, I believe we're talking, <coughs> I'm talking about a process that we need to go through to position ourselves to come to a place of Isaiah 60 
the realm of all supply. We've been, th we've been, we've been through that process right now. We've been going through it all our lives. I believe God has handpicked those who come to the gathering because each of us have got different backgrounds, but they've all been training us to walk in Isaiah 60 when eventually that event comes. See, we're in process right now, but I do believe there is an event. Whether it's a sudden event or just you know, boom, 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 or just bang, I don't know. But there's coming a day when Babylon will fall and where God's people begin to walk in that realm. And all of a sudden, it's, it's, we're living in... We're dwelling in Beulah land. We're not singing about dwelling in Beulah land. We're dwelling in Beulah land. We're not just experiencing it, hit and miss, boom bust. We're not just experiencing it even as individuals and walking in it. We're walking in it corporately. But he says, it's a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Who believes we're going through that right now? The shaking. Things have been shaken all over the place. Church has been shaken. Why? Because judgment begins at the house of God. The governments have been shaken. The nation's been shaken. The people have been shaken. The economy's been shaken. The seven mountains have been shaken. And what we need to understand is this, is that there has to be a shaking first for what's next. Here, verse 6. Verse 7, sorry, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. Verse 7, and I will shake all the nations. Watch this. And the desire of all nations shall come. That word means treasure or precious things. Okay? Now, I want you to parallel this with Isaiah chapter 60, uh, verse 5, where it says, The wealth of the nations shall come to you. The precious things, the riches shall come to you. You need to ask yourself a question today, friends. What's coming to you? It's very important what's coming to you. It's very important your consciousness of what's coming to you. And, and if you turn around and say, well, I can't think of anything, therein lies a problem. Because what you expect, how many people buy stuff online? Amazon. Yeah, you get an, a notification, don't you? Your parcel will arrive today. So what do you do? You live in expectation. Something's coming to me today. Oh glory! I just I'm looking for that Amazon van. Amen. I'm looking for that grey van. Am I right? Yes. Agnes says I. Chase delivery vans. <laughs> He's got my parcel. Amen? Why? Because I live in expectation. And if it says it's coming today, amen, you have to know what's coming to you. Sometimes you have to be in the house because they won't leave it. Amen? There's nothing worse than having to go to that Royal Mail place. I hate having to go there. So I want, I want to receive. Amen. So you stay in your house. Amen. If you want to receive from God, you have to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. You have to stay in the house of God that God will deliver your parcel of blessing because you can't be, you will not get it in the pub. 
You'll not get it out there in the world. You have to be in the house of God. And the, the, the treasure will come, the wealth of the nations will come. It's not coming to the pub. It's not coming to the places of ill repute and sin. And, and it's not even coming to Asda. It's coming to the house of God. The wealth of all nations shall come, the desire, the treasure. And watch this. And I will fill this house, sorry, I will fill this house with glory, says Jehovah of hosts, says the Lord of hosts. I will fill this house with glory. And that's what it says that we looked at in Isaiah 60, verse 7. I will glorify the house of my glory. Same thing. The prophet Haggai is simply reiterating what Isaiah said, which is God's purpose is to fill his house with glory. And the reason for that, the deeper purpose, is because people need what's in the glory. We certainly do, and the folks out there do. There's God's mercy. That he will pour through his house provision for every other house. And that's an invitation for people to come and be part of his house. Because let me tell you, it makes it very clear in the Bible that the sons and daughters shall come, the nations shall come, the kings shall come. Why? Because of the brightness of the glory that's rising upon you. They're coming to the glory. Amen. They're coming to the glory. They're not coming because we've got nice breakfasts. Sorry. They're not coming because we're good folks. We're nice folks. They're not coming because we play groovy music. Well, I'm not speaking about it. In general. They're not coming because, you know, we've got comfy seats. Let's be honest. They might start coming to get heat in the winter. Rather than pay the, or because they can't pay the bills. But they're not, they're coming for the glory folks. The house, and here's the thing. He says, look, you saw the former house. Wow, Solomon's temple. Even God said, oh, oh. And you're comparing it. But he says, I will shake all nations and I will fill this house with glory. Look at verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than that of the former. He's already said it. We're not talking about the house that you're looking at right now. <coughs> Zerubbabel's temple. We're not looking at that. Okay? I mean, let's be honest, compared to Solomon's temple, it was a bit of a shanty. Yeah? It was a shack. Probably a nice building. But, you know, it's not St. Paul's Cathedral or anything. It's great that they had it, and, and, and if it had just been a very plain building, that'd have been great because there's a place you could meet. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the latter house, which always means the latter days house. And folks, we are not going to a building made with stones, made with human hands today to encounter the glory, to encounter the Shekinah presence. To come into God's presence. And if even if we were doing that, we're not high priests. So we can actually touch the glory. He's talking about a temple in the latter days. And folks, where the Shekinah glory is in every single temple or house. And brothers and sisters, he's talking the latter house that he's speaking of. The house of glory that he will fill with glory is you and I. 
The house that will be filled with glory is you. I will glorify that. I'll fill that with glory. And that takes us to Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, your lights come. The glory is risen. The glory shall be seen. Because if you go home tonight and put every light in your house on, people will be able to see the light. But there's coming. I believe an event, a time, a season. And we're in process for it right now. So that means we can walk in it. We can walk in it as individuals. We can walk in it as a group. But it will be a corporate thing that I think many will enter. And, and that's why all the prayers for revival, all the prayers for awakening, all of those things, that's people saying, there's a glorious thing coming. There's a house of glory. I see it. Lord. Amen. It's not just the folks in this room that are going to see it. But I do believe there are groups that God has raised up, remnant groups across the nations that have this vision. And we, we say, we're a house of glory. Brothers. Amen. You know, every time you see an empty cup, it says, fill me. Amen. Reminds you of an old joke. Three milk bottles outside a castle. Two were full and one was empty. Who was the king that lived in the castle? Philip the Third. Amen. There's nothing like an anointed sense of humour. Amen. <laughs> and that was nothing like an anointed sense of humour. Amen. That's, a, that's, that's from my childhood. It's just dusted off for this meeting. Watch this. Now this is important. Okay. Because this takes us back. In fact, let's just go back and compare. Isaiah chapter. Keep your finger in a Haggai 2. And go back to Isaiah 60 if you want to do this that way. Otherwise, just listen. Isaiah chapter 60. Because it's, it's a parallel. This one, this famous one in Haggai is a parallel to Isaiah 60. He's talking about a temple that's coming. That's going to be filled with glory. And the wealth is coming. Look at Isaiah chapter 60. It says, You shall see, for together your hearts of fear and be enlarged. Because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you, verse 5, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. Okay? And it says in verse 9, the isles shall wait for me, the ships of Tarshish or Tharsis first. I knew we were in the Bible. Amen. I think it's Pastor Alec that says this quite a lot, actually. You can find yourself in the Bible. Well, I just found us here. The ships of Tarsus. Tharsus Street. Did you know your car is a ship of Tharsus? Tharsus Street. I believe it. To bring your sons from far, their silver and their gold with them. Amen. Do you know what that means? There's always going to be provision in the house of glory. We ain't getting our gas or our electric cut off. But let me just say this to you. It's not about that. What it's about is, is that when the people out there have need. There's silver and gold in the house 
of glory for them. So we might end up feeding people three squares a day, every day. It might end up being that way. But if that's what it is, look, because tell you what, they're coming into the house of God. They're coming into the presence of God. They're coming into the place where we'll feed them. And you know, folks, the price of that meal is you need to listen to some superb preaching from Pastor Bill and others. Amen? And we'll have, we'll have, you know, YouTube on, Victory Channel, whatever, and we'll be pumping the word into their ears. Amen. As they sit and eat their nosh. If that's what it takes, folks, glory, hallelujah. The silver is mine. Haggai, verse 6, chapter 2. Sorry, verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Now, let me ask you. If something belongs to you, okay, it's yours, it's your possession. Where do you keep it? Where do you keep what belongs to you? In your house. Amen. Your television, your <coughs> furniture, your kitchen, your cooker, all these things, your personal effects, your jewellery, all of that. Where does it where do you keep you keep it in your house? Because it belongs in your house, not my house. Amen. So if the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, where does the silver and the gold belong? In God's house. See, this isn't about prosperity as people, oh, you're just being covetous, you're just being greedy. You know, let me tell you where it doesn't belong. It doesn't belong in the coffers of the utility companies. It doesn't. Unless those utility companies are kingdom companies. Amen. Who's believing God for some kingdom companies? Amen. We need kingdom people on that mountain of business. Because if they're stewarding the money, it's not for greed or covetousness or love of money or mammon or Leviathan or Babylon. It's for the kingdom. Amen. That's why we need to support Christian business people because their money is stewarded or should be for the kingdom. Amen. And, and I'll tell you, banks, God's raising up Christian banks. <coughs> who's, 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 it's not even about lending money. It's about giving money as well as lending. Okay? That's a whole different. But it's part of this. Why? I will shake all nations. And the treasure's going to come. The gold and silver's going to come. The wealth's going to come. The sons and daughters are coming because they see glory. And they're going to bring silver and gold with them and they're going to lay it at the apostles' feet and say, there's folks worse off than me. Can you, can you do something about this? Apostle, pastor, preacher. Because we just sense that you've got a heart for folks without. And we see you meeting their needs. And that's why all the silver and gold has to come into the house of God. So that it can be properly distributed, redistributed. 
And what happens when that happens? At a certain level, you have a different economy from a Babylonian one. And what happens when that happens? Babylon will fall. And what happens then is that there'll be a kingdom wealth economy, a kingdom finance economy in the earth where people of genuine need can get their needs met until they're trained up to be proper stewards and people who believe in God as their source. And then as they prosper, they'll look for some poor folks that they can bless out and lift out of poverty. Amen? You see, the governments don't care about the poor because depopulation is now the agenda of governments because they listen to the elite. Globalist elite who say, a lot of useless eaters, let's get rid of them. Oh yeah, how can we do that? Well, let's, let's spread some viruses. Let's, let's start some wars. Let's start destroying the food, short, this food supply. Create shortages. Let's create famine. Oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. No, I just read Psalm 2. And other places. Okay? It's not a theory if it's in here. Amen? It's a fact. But I'll tell you what's greater than the fact is the truth. And the truth is, is that the word of God in your mouth and the Holy Ghost overshadowing you is enough to destroy economic bondage and oppression just like it was enough on Moses and the children of Israel when they were in the house of bondage and God keeps saying, he says it uh, in that passage of Isaiah 51, I've already already broke the dragon in the sea. I already drowned Egypt in the sea. And folks, he's going to drown Babylon and the economic oppressors of today in the sea. Because it says so in Revelation 18. Oh, they're wailing. Oh, there's my wealth gone. Oh, there's there's all my power gone. The kings, the merchants, weeping and wailing because their riches have come to nothing. And that doesn't mean that God goes around and supernaturally destroys all the gold and silver and jewels and property. It doesn't mean that. What it means is it's changed hands. It's transferred possession from Babylon to the kingdom. Why? Because the wealth of the nations shall come. I don't know all the details of how it will happen. I just know the Bible tells me in many places it's going to happen. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. You know, people are already talking about refusing to pay their bills. Now, I don't know how that's going to pan out. But I do know this. It's an, it's an indication that people will no longer support economic oppressors and give them their money because the money belongs in the house of God. Or the gold, the silver, the treasures, the wealth. It belongs in the house of God. Which means, for brothers and sisters, it, it, and I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about Christians. Okay, it's not, oh, this is a great message to make preachers rich. This is a message that will destroy economic oppression and slavery and bondage in every believer's life. I don't know what that means for us all individually, corporately, whatever. I don't know all the details of it, but I do know that God wants to abundantly bless us so that we're living in Isaiah chapter 60. And we're living in the place Paul says, always having all sufficiency in all things 
with an abundant overflow for every good work. <coughs> Can I find somebody here who needs money? Because I've got, I've got so much. The only fun I've got with it now is giving it away. That's where God wants to take every one of us. You know, if you're living like that and people see, that's what church is. Church isn't a place where preachers can con you out of your last penny. But it's a place where you go if you need money. Like it used to be. Like it certainly was the days of the church, like it was in the days of Church of Scotland, been back a couple hundred years. You needed money, there was a poor relief. Yeah? You needed education, there was a church school. You needed uh, health and healing, well, the church had a hospital or a hospice or something. Amen? It's supposed to be that way. Governments took it over because they realised if we provide these services, we get the allegiance of the people. This Bible tells me the allegiance of the people, people are going to look around and go, governments, no use. Church, that's where we need to go. And that's where we need to invest our time, our resources, our money and everything because they have glory in that building. And they have healing in that building. My auntie went in and came out totally healed. My uncle, I took him to a Benny Hinn meeting, he got lost. Met up with him after it. And he, he, was, he was given diagnosis, cancer, you know, it's, took him to Benny Hinn. He got lost and ended up sitting with all, <laughs> I mean, he didn't have a clue. He's sitting where all the folks get healed. He walked out of that building healed and lived another 15 years. Which he wasn't going to have. Why? He, he ended up in a pool of healing. What's happening? My uncle wasn't the brightest. But I tell you, he was clever enough, even if he didn't know it, something in him knew it, and we were praying for him, of course, and he ended up being where the, all the healing power was dumped. Amen? Amen. That's a whole different... We can talk about my uncle for a while. Anyway, folks, you just need to be in the place. You need to be in the place where the glory spout is. Amen? You just need to be where the glory spout is. And that's the house of God. And he says, and we'll bring this to close. He says, uh, I put my words in your mouth. And I've put my, my hand, I've shadowed you with my hand, which means the Holy Spirit. It's a metaphor of the power of God, the presence, the hand of God, which is the Holy Ghost. He says, to say to my people, you are my people. To say, to say to Zion, you're my people. So if you're under the hand, if you're under the presence, if you're in the place where the glory comes out, then you're his people. So whatever's going on in Egypt won't touch you because you're in the land of Goshen. Amen? Whatever's going on out there where it's dark, great darkness, you're in where the light is. And it's not just, oh, you're okay, that's fine. They're all in darkness. The, 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 the light is getting brighter and brighter. The glory is getting more intense. So that the folks that are in darkness turn around and go, what's that light? Oh, oh, something's happening over there. In the land of Goshen. 
Something's happening over there at that old foundry boy's church. Something's happening over there in, in those, where those Christians meet. And all across the nations, oh, what's going on? Where the glory is getting brighter. It's, it's attracting the folks that live in darkness. And it's not about, well, when they come and they see the nice cars outside and they see us walking in with the nice suits. That might do it for some. That might be nice. But folks, when they, when they hear, oh, did you hear about Jesse? Jesse went to that meeting, you know, that meeting all the crazy school, yeah. Well, she went in a wheelchair, but she came out jumping in for joy. Amen. When they hear about, oh, so-and-so, they were going to lose their house. But they went to that meeting. And do you know that church paid their mortgage off? Oh, I'll be there on Sunday morning. Amen. And it's not, oh, well, people come bludgeoning. People always come, listen, people come bludgeoning all the time. That's just, am I right? It's not about that. Folks, this is the realm of all supply. It's a realm that you and I have to get into. It's already there. It's not that we need to create it. We're not creating anything. We're just entering in. It's already there. But you enter in by faith. And when you're in it, and then, and, and, but it will get to a place where it will be manifest, other people will see it. And then when they see it, they will come to the realm of all supply as well. And the realm of all supply is the design of God, where the people of God congregate, where we are in community and communion. I could go on for hours, but I'll leave it there. It's so important. What's going on out there? More and more is, if you like, feeding into what we're talking about here. Because God, God doesn't want church to just be a place where we all go to feel good and have nice noise and fellowship and sing a few songs and hear great preaching. It's a place where we do life. And life, meaning God's definition, Zoe, eternal life. Life that death can't touch. Supply that lack can't touch. Health that sickness has to bow the knee to. Amen. Freedom. That no demon can stand against. No habit. No addiction. The realm of all supply. Where God is glorifying his people. Glorifying the house he lives in. I'll say it again. Take it away with you. That house is you and me. We are the house. It's not some building. I believe God does things to, to buildings. You can go in and the, the God's there. Get all that. But we are the house. We are the latter day temple. We're the temple that God, we're the house he wants to fill with glory. The Lord bless you folks.